Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Coder's Corner. This is episode two now. Wow. It's kind of exciting. It's kind of fun. I'm glad to see that we are here. Um, let's just make sure my audio and video stuff is good. Yeah, I think we're all good. Okay, cool. So in today's episode, I got a ton of stuff that I want to discuss, including our main topic of how do you know when your code is finished? It's going to be a pretty interesting topic, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Also, today we achieve a milestone. We have our first ever guest on the show. It's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I'm pretty happy to talk with somebody else here about development. This will be the first time I've done this, had a guest on the show. And uh, also my first time kind of being an interviewer, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but before we get too far into the episode, I have a bit of housekeeping I just want to take care of. So um, I first want to talk about all the support we got on the first episode. So thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that there's some, uh, some, some of you out there that are watching these more in-depth kind of techie talk things, but also just loosey-goosey code development videos and just kind of give me your input. I appreciate it. It's really cool. Um, I also just want to say that we're going through some video and audio tweaks with every episode as we go, so bear with us as we're doing that. Um, I'm going in and doing some audio balancing. Hopefully this episode actually sounds a little bit better than the last one, but, you know, let me know what you think. Um, I also want to let you know, actually, that Coder's Corner is now available as a podcast on multiple podcasting platforms. We got approved on iTunes. We're now on Google Google Podcasts, I think it's called, uh, Spotify, uh, Podbean, a whole bunch of them. So if we're not on your favorite podcasting platform, let me know. Just send me a message, and I'll see what I can do about it. Also, just a reminder on the questions here. If you have any questions on today's episode, please just write it down in the comments on Twitch. We'll be answering questions later on in the show. We're going to do a Q&A, so don't worry too much if your question doesn't get answered right away. And uh, if you have any questions after the show is done, you can send them to me at mapbrushmedia at protonmail.com, or you can comment on a YouTube video, and I'll get those there as well. So I think, let me just check here, that is it for housekeeping, yeah. All right, so let's get on to the show. All right, so I have my, uh, a person here that I met on the Indie Games subreddit the other day. I was looking for somebody who wanted to come onto the show and share their experience about working as a game developer and as a coder, and I just want to see if anybody wanted to talk about that. But I have someone here. I have Dave, who was kind enough to volunteer his time to be our show's first guest. So welcome to Coder's Corner, Dave. Hey, thank you for having me. Awesome. It's a pleasure. It, it really is. This is It's kind of cool just to have somebody else to talk about this kind of stuff with. I actually don't have a lot of people in my life that code, so this is sweet to just kind of bounce ideas back and forth and stuff. So thank you. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I, I have very few people in my life who I can talk to about anything programming or game design related. So it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna have. I'm just going to ask you like a bunch of random questions, and uh, you just go yeah. for it, man. Whatever comes to mind. So... Um, okay, so first, the, the easy question here is just, how did you get started in game development? Uh, so when I was really young, I went on a college tour with my brother, who is about three years older than me. And they, in the, during the college tour, they talked about how they have classes for game design and stuff. And that got me interested in it. I've been playing games basically my whole life. Like, some of my oldest memories are playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the NES. Um, and so I took a programming class the first chance I got and a Photoshop class the first chance I got in high school. And then I just kind of kept doing it, and I went to school for video game design. Um, I didn't really get a job in the industry. 
but eventually I just kept doing it as an indie thing and my side on as a side thing. I haven't really released any games yet, but I'm working on one right now that feels really promising. Um, so I've kind of just been doing it all my life or most of my life. I like actually how you said that too. You're working on one right now and that it feels really promising. I feel like I can totally relate to you on that. I know what that's like. I know when you work on a ton of things and you can't call them games and they're like, it's like a hobby, right? They're projects really. Yeah. I don't even know what else to call them, but they also like culminate in what eventually becomes whatever your next game is too. Right. So it's in a weird way, it's, it's still the same game. It's just different things you got interested in and we're working on at the time. So I, yeah, I exactly. Like, uh, I, I've worked on so many projects that I just gave up on either because I lost interest or because mm-hmm. the project was too big for me or just because life gets in the way. And I'm finally working on a project that has a little bit of promise, I think, and I'm working on it with a great friend of mine. So I'm very excited for that as well. That's awesome. And uh, you don't have to tell us anything about the game or anything, but do you think this one has more promise because of the scope? You talked about maybe the game was too big for you. Was this maybe um, one that you scoped a little bit better? I think the scope is definitely part of what's helped. Like, this is actually the second version of the project that I've worked on with my friend. His name is Justin. Um, and he had never done any game design or coding or anything before we started the project. Um, so inevitably that first version of the game got way outside of scope and it was like much bigger than we could tackle as a team of two people with only one person having development experience. Um, and a lot of the other projects that I worked on before that were very big projects or they had a very big element that was kind of like the monster within a very simple project. Um, and... One of the things that's making it work now that didn't work the first time that Justin and I attempted this game was we were trying to make essentially a puzzle platformer um, in the vein of like Celeste or Rayman or any of those classic 2D platformers. And that is a very deceivingly simple genre. Like it looks really simple, but making a good feeling platformer that's engaging and has a unique mechanic is really, really challenging, especially when you've never like worked on anything else. And I think the really interesting thing about Celeste, which was the game that inspired us was if you look at the history of the games that that studio made there, you can see like a really clear progression of how they got to Celeste. They didn't just start there and have a huge indie breakout hit. They had a whole bunch of projects that like, like you said, the pieces kind of like all fit together to get them to what Celeste ended up being. So we pared back our scope a little bit and we started on this current version of the project and we've been working on it. I want to say a little over a year, maybe a year and a half now. And it's going really, really well. It's definitely a much smaller scope project in some ways than the previous version, but it also just helps to have someone to work on the game with. A lot of the projects I did before this were solo projects, and solo development is great, but it takes a very certain kind of person to build and release an entire game all on their own without any help or without any like consistent help, and I don't think I'm that person. I completely understand that too, and I've I've mostly spent my time as a solo artist, anyways, too. So I, I know what that's like. Uh, funny enough, I actually I worked on um, my wife and I are really into the game Towerfall, which obviously we know was their predecessor oh, yeah. to Celeste. Yeah, 
and yeah. uh and yeah so i was actually really into towerfall back when it first came out uh for the ouya and all that and i got into it with the playstation 4 when it released on that and i was going to pax all the time and i just happened to have an ins with um power up audio who had helped do the audio for towerfall as well and mm-hmm. so i just happened to have a, a bit of an ins and i got to kind of meet the developer matt and stuff like that for towerfall and did the tournaments for it and so i was kind of in that space for a little while there so i have like a bit of a a bias and uh this, this love of Towerfall. And anyway, so I, I... One day, my wife and I were playing Towerfall, and I was like, this is simple. This could be made. I could code this. I could easily code this. And I went to Game Maker, and I just started plugging down ideas, and I spent probably three weeks coding what I thought was going to be a, a Towerfall clone. And what came from the end of it was just the stiffest, like, worst, like, cooperative, <laughs> like, archer shooter game. It was so bad. And I... Yeah, I, I know what you mean, because I, I tried so hard to make what looked like a simple game and realized how tough it is to make the gameplay feel smooth just the, the the moving mechanics the jumping mechanics the wall climbs the jumps the the ledge grabs all that stuff it ended up getting way too much for me and i was way in too deep <laughs> yeah it's it's surprising how complex uh a game that is seemingly simple can be and it's like mm-hmm. that classic um I don't know the exact saying, but it's like, uh, if you're really good at something, you can make it look really simple. Yes. And mm-hmm. it's like, Matt and his team, or her team, um, are so good at what they do that they were able to make multiple great games that felt like they were just, you know, it's just a platformer with one or two unique mechanics, and it just comes together to be something that's just more than the sum of its parts. For sure. Definitely. Now, I have to admit, I've actually never played Celeste. I know a bit about it. I've watched the speedruns. Oh. I've watched the videos of it, but I still have yet to actually play it. And I think it's actually a bit of a problem. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. And yeah. it's a bit of a problem I fall into with development is you stop playing games sometimes. You start just only making them. And we'll get into that in a little bit. I've actually got a question related to that, but let's move on. I got another okay. question here for you. So um, this is one I wrote this down because I was just really curious about this. What What's the best program, programming advice that you had given to you from someone else? Oh, that's a really interesting one. Um, the best programming advice that I've had given to me. Um, I don't know if I have any programming specific advice, to be honest, because I don't, like I said, I don't have a lot of people in my personal mm-hmm. network that are very programming oriented. And when I was in school for game design, I was more focused on art. So I wasn't really doing a lot of programming day to day, even though that's what I started with when I was in high school. Um, but I think, you know, whether you're making a game, whether you're making an app, whether you're making anything, it's really more about project advice. And the best right. advice that I always try to adhere to and do a very bad bad job of it is you know just the very simple of assume that everything will take a little bit longer than it actually will like a good right. estimate is usually one and a half times what you're expecting yeah and there was one year that i went to gdc game developers conference and i remember they were taught there was a a game they were talking about where they said this was like a post-mortem for a game. And they specifically said, you know, if it, it for every day it takes you to prototype something, assume that it will take a week to polish. 
And that's a really good rule of thumb because yeah. you'll you'll have an idea and you'll think, oh, it's really simple. I know exactly how the code should be structured and what this is supposed to do. It's going to work perfectly. And you'll come up with that perfect, that simple version that works and does what you need. And then you'll say, okay, now I just have to add this one piece of code and it'll be totally done. And then that one <laughs> piece of code takes two or three times as long as everything you did before that did. Yeah, yeah. I, I love everything you're saying. I totally understand it. That that was me last night. I did it this little. My wife was going to have a shower, and then we were pretty much going to bed after that. And I was like, I'll just I'll go and I'll look at my project. I got it actually here in front of me. And I was like, oh, I'll just go and I'll, it was like this. I was like, oh, I'll just go and I'll look at that one controller real quick. I'll look at that. And I looked at a step and I saw a line and I was like, let's just do this. And then suddenly it just blurted out a bunch of stuff. And then I'm like, I just keep going. Right? <laughs> it's like. Yep. I, I just like suddenly like it's three hours later and I'm like what am I doing <laughs> like I need to stop because usually you end up if you haven't really or at least in my experience if you haven't really thought it through and you're just kind of improvising coding um, mm -hmm. it ends up breaking so much stuff you're not expecting and like you just think you're very tunnel focused I guess and then you look back on it afterwards and there's all these bugs that happen so yeah and then there's always there's always those little bugs that no matter how well you've thought it through, somehow you always miss the littlest thing. Like, the other day I spent 45 minutes trying to troubleshoot why this new version, this new version of an event that I was working on wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. Mm. And it was because I never wrote the one line of code that said... <laughs> call this event yeah <laughs> so i spent 45 minutes staring at the event code oh. trying to fix it and I've it got... turned out i just never called the event i've actually got a photo here i wanted to show you that i saw this on reddit just the other day and i was like i'm gonna save this for the stream i'll, I'll put it up here so somebody had put this onto the game maker reddit and it was really funny they were like trying to use string real num functions this is killing me all i need is for the numeric value of the stat to be converted to a string and display in the draw event these variables are declared using a god object in the room at the start of the game can't screen cap on pc so here's a pick and i look and i was like oh i was like i've been this guy so many times he's so frustrated because he just can't draw out his string event and i was like i'm looking at this and i'm like yep all he's done is the simple thing of the string function He's accidentally capitalized the word string. That's all he's done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, in Game Maker, it's the function always. has to be lowercase. <laughs> I felt so bad for this guy. I was like, we've all been here. You just don't know what's going on. It's the simplest thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so the worst. It, it'll get you sometimes, just something like that. But, And that that's, that's just a part of coding i think programming and, and well, well probably a lot of art and development in life is just those little things but in programming it seems to be just the small syntax that gets you oh yeah always um there's always just a variable that has the wrong syntax or something that you have to fix yeah uh so i have jumped the gun a little bit here but what what would you say is your favorite game engine to work in so right now my preference is game maker because i just find that it comes together so quickly um, for a little while, I was using Construct, uh, mm. and I've I used to do a lot of like 3D stuff. I used to use Unreal back when it was just a level editor and not like its own real separate engine. Right. Um, and I just am not great at 3D math, so I try to stick to 2D. And Game Maker is what I'm used to, so I stick to Game Maker. But it's one of those things where you never want to learn something new because you you feel like you could do it so well in the system you're already using. And even though you could save time by learning that new system or 
open up some new potential, you're like, well, I already know how to do it. So I'd rather spend yeah. 45 minutes doing it than four hours learning how to do it a little bit better. It's that kind so, of age old thing of like, do you hone your skills you already know, make them even better and professional? Or do you learn a new skill and add it to your repertoire of like more skills that you know, right? And it's, exactly. Uh, I, I know that feeling too. I personally don't do any kind of 3D game development at all. I don't model in 3Ds and throw them in and do animations, all stuff. To me, that's a little mind boggling. Like, it's actually hard for my head to grasp that. But when mm -hmm. it comes to making a platformer or a top-down kind of like RPG action adventure or something like that, that's the kind of stuff that's okay, I can understand that when it comes to simple, what I find more simple like 2D-like games, not only do I understand the concept better, I actually think I enjoy those kinds of games better which is funny, but um, it just seems to be that kind of environment. That being said, one of my favorite games is Minecraft which is 3D, so, you know, there's always exceptions to a rule, so <laughs> um, yeah, Okay, my... so, oh, go ahead no, I was just going to say, um, my favorite games are almost always 2D puzzle games. So oh, I, nice. I am safely in the range of being able to make one of those one day. Have you checked out that new... I haven't really tried it yet. It's a new Shovel Knight one, but it's like a puzzle one. It's like Shovel Knight Dungeons. Oh, I really wanted to, but I haven't had the chance. I actually have been very much in that space of not getting to play games for a yeah. while. Because... It's just, I always feel like if I have an hour, you know, I'm not really going to get to play much of whatever game I pick up. Mm -hmm. Why not just work on the game that I'm working yeah. on when I have like 15 tasks that I yeah. want to make progress on? And so the last game that I really played was The Last of Us 2, other mm -hmm. than when I play multiplayer games with my friends. Yeah, I know that feeling. Because the, the multiplayer is almost like the social aspect with your friends. That's how you keep up that social stuff going on. Especially right now with all exactly. the COVID and everything. I feel like multiplayer games are just a lot more popularized and people are using that as their hanging out kind of thing. Uh, yep. And then, I know I know what you mean, where it's like, do I spend the time playing the game? Or maybe do I develop a game and put a game on on YouTube that somebody else is playing and just have that running in the background? Because it gives you the ideas of what it's like playing a game, but you're not actually playing. But yep. it's, it's weird because... What, like the passion that drives being a developer as a game usually comes from the gameplay from from holding the controller from pressing the buttons down from feeling that yourself a lot of that helps with that passion to wanting to make that game and then it's funny that that's the one thing you're usually deprived of while making a game <laughs> yeah exactly i i feel like the only games that i really get into nowadays are games that are really really easy to just pick up and put back down mm. like i was really into animal crossing for a little while because everyone was um, yeah. <laughs> and then I play Wordle every day, like I think everyone does oh. right now. Um, I actually don't know what Wordle is. I gotta write that down. Oh, it's a really, really simple game. It uh, basically you can just play it in your browser. It's a word-based puzzle game where there's a five-letter word, and you have to guess the word, and you have six tries. And every time you guess, it tells you. Is this letter not in the word at all, it's in the word but it's in the wrong spot, or it's in the word and this is the correct spot for it. So it's and code it's... breaker but letters. <clears throat> yes, exactly. Oh, that's um, awesome. I love code and, breaker. And it's this great thing because the guy specifically made it so that it only refreshes once a day globally. So you can only play one round every single day. And it just it like is the perfect level of feedback loop to make you be like oh i want to play another but i can't so now i'm going to be even more excited when i get back to it tomorrow that sounds genius i don't, I don't know why but yeah. that just sounds like it's it's not like pretentious and it's not like 
It's like, okay, there's one there's one level of things where it's like, let's just shove a bunch of ads on you and, like, let's just do, like, um, whatever the clickbait titles are. And then there's, like, the other yeah. end of the spectrum, which is, like, extremely pretentious, and it's like, you can't play my game because you're not worthy of it kind of thing. And then this mm-hmm. idea is, like, that perfect balance in the middle where it's like, you can play once a day, and it's going to be awesome, and you're going to love it. Like, I like that. Yep, and it, there's <laughs> no ads of any kind. You don't have to pay. It's just completely free and available. That's perfect. That's like Flappy Bird. I love it. Yep. Um, actually, onto that note, do you have a favorite developer or a developer that has inspired you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> that's a really good question. So, my favorite designer is probably Keita Takahashi, the guy who made Katamari Damacy, because Ooh. he just is such a unique guy, and he's made so many weird and unique games. But also, I was just obsessed with Katamari Damacy when I was in high school. Um, other than that, though, in terms of like a company that actually puts out games nowadays, because he he's very weird. Like the the next game that he's releasing is exclusive to this thing called the Playdate. Have you heard of this? No. What's the Playdate? So the Playdate is this <laughs> yellow handheld that looks like an original Game Boy Color. Yeah. But it has a crank on the side of it. And you can crank the crank, like you can rotate it as part of every game that's on it. So he it's being released, it's like $150 or $250 or something. <laughs> and every game that's on it is exclusive to dev- the device. And he the guys that are making it, or the team that are making it, yeah. partnered with a bunch of indie game developers and stuff. And... All these games are just made by, like, I think the guy who made Shovel Knight uh, did one of the games. Keita Takahashi did one of them. It's, like, a really unique project. Um, And so the next game that Keita Takahashi is working on is exclusively on this device. So (laughs) I'm probably going to get one at some point just so I can play that and all these other weird experimental games. Wow. Um but in terms of, like, a game studio that's actually putting something out, or a game company that's putting something out, um, I really like everything in the Dark Souls, Bloodborne-type genre, so I'm really excited for Elden Ring. Um, and I also... Portal 2 is my favorite game of all time, because it's just a perfect game. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I really like puzzle games or games where there is, like... Some level of, like, you you get frustrated in your attempt to solve it. Um, and it, like, it takes a... It, like, it almost makes you want to stop, but the desire to stop makes you want to play even more. Those are usually the kinds of games that, like, hook me. Well, that's... That's interesting, because one of the developers that inspires me the most is actually Jonathan Blow, and I'm assuming oh, you're yeah. a fan I of Witness. Oh, yeah, I love him. Yeah, yeah, so... The what Witness you, what is, is a great game. Awesome, awesome. I'm glad you think that, because when I when I first bought The Witness and, and I was playing it, I was surrounded by people that didn't understand it. Or at least, it's not... I don't want to say they didn't understand it. It wasn't their game, you know? It was... It's all puzzles, mm-hmm. and to them, that's it. It was just puzzles. And to me, I was like... Yeah, it's puzzles, but it's like an experience. It's a feeling I'm getting, and like I, I swear I wasn't like just kind of trying to make this up to justify my purchase. I was like, I'd play this game and I'd feel just chill and relaxed, and I really enjoyed those kinds of puzzles. But did you have a similar experience? 
Yeah, I did. I it, the thing that aggravated me the most when I was playing that game. Uh, so, the, so in the game itself, the thing that aggravated me the most is I am horrible at sound-based puzzles. And there's that whole section that's on the sunken boat where oh, yeah. Yeah. you have to like listen. Oh, and then there's the other section when you're when you're in the forest and you're listening With to the bird, the bird yeah. calls. Yeah, yeah. And that <laughs> section, I had to look up online how to complete it because I literally, <laughs> I think I tried for like three hours one day and I just couldn't do it and I was so upset with myself. But the other thing was uh, my friend... Justin, who I'm actually working on the, this current game with, yep. um, he was playing The Witness at the same time, and he was kind of, like, in the middle. Like, he was enjoying the puzzles, but he was sort of like the people you were talking about, where he was like, yeah, I mean, it's not crazy. And he was at the part in the game where he was very close to realizing the, the like, the moment where the game flips and it becomes a little bit different than what it yes. was before. Yeah. And... He, he, I, when he told me where he was, I was like, oh, the game is about to open up in like a really interesting way and change. And you're going to really start to look at it differently. And he pressed me many, many times to just tell him what it was that was going to happen. And eventually I caved and I told him and I was disappointed that he was like, oh, okay. And he just didn't think like it was anything like that's the problem crazy the way that I did. It's like, it's really easy to overhype that and really easy yep. to undersell it at the same time because and and you can actually see jonathan blow explaining this in uh i can't remember which youtube video it was there's one where he gets interviewed by somebody and he's talking about that exact moment and he's like he's like i can tell you about the moment i can tell you exactly what happens he's like and you just won't feel it by hearing it he's like you gotta play it yeah to, to really feel that and he's like and also he's like you can feel that at like the beginning of the game he's like you can pretty much find that moment really quickly if you wanted to and you're looking for it he's like but is like you can also spend most of the time not seeing it and then you just see it and that's the point is that it clicks for you suddenly out of nowhere and uh yeah, yeah. i don't know i really respect that i think it's insane do you know he's working on his own coding language yeah he i i subscribed to his youtube channel yeah. like two or three years ago <laughs> uh when he started working on that and i don't i think i just don't have an enough knowledge to really get too much out of those like three hour videos that he posts all the time <laughs> where he's just talking about like the lowest level elements of how the language and the engine come together and how it communicates yeah. with the computer and everything and so every few months i'll just see one pop up on youtube and i'm like okay he's still doing it hopefully he yeah. releases a game that like i'll get to play eventually <laughs> I know, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I love looking at new languages. I'm currently trying to learn Java just because I skipped that one. So I want to go back and mm -hmm. learn it. And Minecraft was first coded in Java, so I really wanted to learn how that was kind of done and uh, get that kind of foundation. But when I saw his videos on Jai, I think it's called Jai, and uh, I mm -hmm. was just like, whoa, this looks cool. I want to know more about it. But I'm in the same boat. I'm like, I don't really understand what your, what, like, what, what your issues are at the moment and what you're trying to work on at the moment. Like, I don't totally get it, but I'm excited for you. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where when it is at the point where I could download it and learn it and do something in it, I'll probably be really interested in learning more. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's it's kind of just like a nebulous thing that just exists in another universe to me. It's like, <laughs> it, it'll be here one day. Yeah. I'll see it. Yeah. But until then. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
It's kind of like the moon or space or something right now. It's kind of yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. But I want to see it one day. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I've got through those. Let's go into uh, the main topic here of the episode that I wanted to talk about. Now I'm just going to leave this this platform here open for you to talk about this. You seemed like you uh, were interested in this question. So but this was a question that was on Reddit. I can't remember which subreddit. Let's just say it was the Game Maker one because that makes sense to me. And uh, the question was, how do you know when your code is finished? And this invokes a lot of answers in, in me, I know, myself. But I'm curious what your take is on that. So what do you think when you hear that? So that is like the toughest question in the world but also the <laughs> easiest question in the world it's it, the real answer should be when it does what it needs to do like when it's at the point where you can actually run the level or interact with the thing or whatever and it it has the results you want and it doesn't break it's done that's when you should stop working on it. But I think my <laughs> instinct is always to say, okay, it's duct taped together, but is there a way that I could fix it so it's not so duct taped and I could do more with it? And I think that's a good instinct to have in some ways because it opens you up to opportunities you might not have had otherwise. If you like, if you have a really good way to... to adjust something or like to add more variables that you can play with or whatever to make it more versatile that's great but the reality is video games on the professional level are made on an incredibly tight timeline and many many developers will tell you everything we do is just duct taped together it's just <laughs> trying to find the solution that's going to work the best like mm -hmm. the most famous one for me is have you ever heard the story of how the trains work in Fallout 3? No. I'm, you know what's so funny is there's a big analogy people use with the trains working in Japan. And uh, and I thought you were going to oh. say Japan. And then you brought it, you <laughs> no, brought it right it's... to Fallout 3. And I was like, oh my god. So <laughs> in Fallout 3, when modders were going through the game, they discovered that the trains are actually... Um, 3D model that is attached to a human body, like it is the head of a human body, <laughs> and literally all that's happening when the train is moving is that human is Running. moving on a very specific path from one location <laughs> to the other, and the body is hidden under the ground's geometry. Wow. And it's because when they were making the game, they knew they needed this train system for this very specific purpose, and they didn't have time to make an entirely new system. So they literally just said, well, what if we just stuck it on a character that already has pathfinding to the level we need, and then we just gave them such a rigid path that they would get from point A to point B without any issue? Um, and that, to me, is like the thing that says, well, if that's what Bethesda is doing... Right. Then why am I spending another hour trying to, like, prevent this one thing that is literally never going to happen in my game <laughs> from happening? Because True. my game doesn't care about that situation. It's not in the scope of anything I've designed. Yeah. I don't need to solve that problem. <laughs> but I always try to anyway. Wow, that is insane. I've never heard that before. But I I totally agree. Like, there's a, there's a part of me... I'm not going to call it a perfectionist because I'm far from a perfectionist, but there's a part of me that's like, 
no, you need to code like a class of vehicles and you need to make it work and blah, 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 blah. But then yep. there's another part of me that's like, no, it works, man. If it works, it works. <laughs> like, I don't know. I remember re- uh, reading, I think it was a Twitter post by Toby when he was talking about uh, Undertale and he was saying like, this thing is held together by like bubble gum and duct tape. <laughs> like, and it's like, that's how yeah. I feel with all my projects too. So I'm glad that someone who made Undertale is also feeling the exact same way. <laughs> yeah, the reality is like, at, it, video games are a piece of art that you are learning that you're not only learning how to paint while you create them you're also discovering how to make paint and you <laughs> yeah. have to do all of that and then you also have to have a finished piece so i think our we always try to make it more complex than it actually needs to be it's yeah. like get it working yeah. and get out and right. that's why deadlines are important I, I, you know what, I, I completely agree. I, I, I think back to when I was first making projects, and I was like, hey, let's make, I think Red Dead Redemption 2 had just come out, and I was like, oh, I want to make, like, fully functional settlements happening in this game. But, like, that wasn't even the point of the game. That was just, like, a separate part of the yeah. game. And I was like, yeah, and these people are going to have lives, and they're going to be doing this, they're going to be doing that, and I'm coding all this stuff that makes absolutely no sense, and I'm working on it. Eventually you stop, because you go, what am I doing? <laughs> like, what, why am I doing any of this? But Because in your mind, you're like, well, that's how real life works. So if a game works that way, then it's better, right? But that's obviously not necessarily the case. Um, one thing I find really interesting with this idea of finished code, though, is uh, you look at some games, like, uh, well, I look at Doom, and like I, I really like the original Doom. It's, it's, a, it's a very influential game for me throughout my childhood. Uh, but then I look mm-hmm. at something like Quake, and uh, just looking at id Software in general, and they always release their code to everybody and so that everybody can use their code and learn more about video game development and all that. But the first Quake just recently had an update, actually not that long ago, from id Software again. And it got a new update that has multiplayer in it for uh, cooperative gameplay in the single-player campaign. And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I was like, the developers had to go back in to like, the, the really messy old raw code and then like code in like just, just some new stuff just to kind of throw that in there. And I was like, that's really cool that... like. The code was finished. The game was released. But then it wasn't finished because it got redone again at some point, And somebody went back in there yep. and added more stuff in. And another example is actually in Minecraft. They just recently had a new update. Uh, I think it was 1.18. And it's the Caves and Cliffs update. And what they had to do in that one is they recreated how they did their terrain generation. Which is like the base core coding yeah. stuff to minecraft so they had to go back into that code and then say like okay the the y levels of the game actually go further down now and we're going to generate biomes in that space down below and they like changed all that code and i'm like oh man like notch isn't even there anymore either so it's different developers now going into the base level raw messy code and like just adding on oh all this God. new stuff and i'm like that's to me that's crazy because that takes this finished code concept and is like like what is finished code at that point because it it just keeps getting worked on at some point so well that's just a nightmare for me because like (laughs) if i would if i had made a game in the way that minecraft developed and Mm. my assumption would eventually be like okay this is all set in stone no one's ever gonna have to look at this (laughs) i can kind of hide it in a closet somewhere and hope that (laughs) no one ever realizes i'm actually really bad at this yeah and then someone has to go in specifically to like break it down at the most fundamental level and say how do we change this completely well, I used to, when I learned programming, I was learning uh, JavaScript is where I started with. It was HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Mm-hmm. I was doing website design and app development. And I had to work on a lot of projects with people. And we had to do a lot of, like, I'll code this section, like, on lines 45 down to, like, line 75. And you'll code that section from, like, 1 to 45 kind of thing. 
and we'd have to yep. jump back and forth between each other's code like quite a bit so i got really used to like constantly trying to comment everything i'm doing so people understand why i'm doing it so i'm really like intense on commenting and probably to my own detriment so it takes me way longer to do something because i'm trying to explain what i'm doing as i'm doing it yeah and it's very annoying but uh i think in the long run it, it would help like you said if someone is coming back in your code but if they're not then why why worry about it i guess yeah, but it's one of those things where the longer you go without commenting, the bigger the backlog of missing comments oh. are. Yeah. And then, and I've had this problem so many times where I wanted to return to an old project, and the, the fact that I did not comment it was the mm. biggest thing that prevented me from making that commitment. Because yeah. even when I went back after two or three or whatever number of months... I couldn't decipher everything I was I doing and figure out exactly how it worked. And then I just kind of screwed myself. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, the, the project I'm working on right now, um, my friend Justin, he he is now programming, like, the. it's like a story-based game, and every scene has different types of interactions. They're essentially all different mini-games. Um, and... So he does some mini games and I do others and we kind of have to trade off sometimes and like work on each other's pieces. And I always have to resist that urge uh, to say, oh, this isn't how it quote unquote should be done. Right. <laughs> I want to fix it, quote unquote. Yeah. But the reality is if it's working, if it does everything that it needs to do, why am I, why am I spending 45 minutes on this piece that's already functional to make mm -hmm. it more functional? whatever yeah. that means when I could be making a totally new scene yeah. from scratch. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just it. You spend so much more time on the, I'm just using air quotes here, optimizational part of it. Like you're optimizing your code. Mm -hmm. um, and what does optimizing mean? It means, Oh, it's going to run faster. Well, what if your game is like 50 megabytes in size? What if it's even only 500 megabytes in size? Like maybe you're yep. not even that concerned about optimizing at that point because it's already in general, just optimized as code. Um, and so, yeah. so you spend, let's say 75% of your time worrying about that optimization that only gives you 25% for like the fun stuff. And by the time you get mm -hmm. to the fun stuff, you're burnt out because you spent all this time optimizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what that's like. I, what I get, I love writing. And, uh, when I get to like the dialogue part of my games, I, I'm in my mind, I'm so excited to write all this fancy, fun, cool dialogue. By the time I actually get to the dialogue, it's always placeholder text. It's just like, it's always like, okay, this, they're just going to say a little <laughs> bit of this. They'll probably have two or three lines of dialogue here, and that's about it, and then I'll move on. And so it'll be like, this is my dialogue one, this is my dialogue two, and like that'll be all it is for now. And I never really get to the creative side of it, because I'm, I'm more concerned about how it's going to run. So, it's funny. I, I need to think yeah. more like you, I think. I think I need to just let a lot of it go, but I, I personally don't. Well, I'm it. not <laughs> saying that's how I think. I'm saying that's how I strive to think. Uh, that's... Uh -huh. That would be great if I actually achieved all of what I just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Okay, well, so I think I think we pretty much covered that for the topic. I, I like that, and uh, as a call to action to people, I like to add in, like, homework for people listening. So if you're listening in right now and you want a little bit of homework, here it is for you. So if you have not coded a game before and you're about to start on your new project, maybe think about some of the things that we've talked about here. Maybe... As you're f like writing out new functions, as you're writing out new uh, little snippets of your how things are going to work, maybe comment it a little bit, but don't spend too much time commenting it. But comment it enough so you understand what's going on. So if you come back to it, it's going to be fine. But just don't don't freak out too much about it. And uh, 
your code is probably never actually finished, but if it's doing... What did you say? If it functions the way it's supposed to function? If it functions the way that it's supposed to function, and it doesn't break anything else in the process, then it's done. Good. There you go. And actually, and as a small snippet too, to, to anybody who's actually finished a project or, or something that they see as completed, maybe think about going back to it. Does it still make sense to you now if you look at the codes? Or was there something you could have done to, to comment it out a little bit better? Is it worth your time to maybe look back on it and add some more comments into it or something too? So a little call to action yeah. to you guys out there. So anyways, uh, Dave, I'd like to open this up now to a Q&A. Now, to, if anybody has any questions out there, if they want to write any questions to us and let them in, I don't see anything on Twitch for questions, but I do have some questions that came in from the YouTube channel or from the podcast. So these yeah, are... Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, questions in general here from people. So here, let's go for this one. Uh, this one here is, should you make games with genres that you don't actually play or like? I think this will be interesting for you. Oh, so I definitely think you should. Um, the game I'm working on right now actually is a genre that I don't play very often. It's like an interactive story game, and I am not a... Uh, well, okay, I'm like in the middle in terms of story and games. I do care about story, but I often don't play like Telltale-type games that are very, very story-heavy. I don't play long big rpgs like final fantasy 7 or anything like that like my my favorite genres of games are puzzle games which have little to no story of any kind and action games like the newest god of war or mm. dark souls or something yeah. where the story god of war has a decent amount of story in it but dark souls and stuff like that um it's like much lore. more implied than it is yeah it's lore not so much plot so, I definitely think you should play games you don't like. Obviously, there are limits. I usually don't play any sports games because I don't <laughs> care about any sports. So, it would be hard for me to connect with that. What about, like, um, Rocket League or, uh, or like, Street Fighter, though? Those are, like, I am so I am so bad at Rocket League. It is the most <laughs> frustrating thing in the world. All my friends love it. And whenever we're doing our game night and they say, let's play Rocket League, I kind of just have to, like get through it because it is so <laughs> i it, and it i tried lucio ball in overwatch because i used to play overwatch all the time right um and it's just it, it's something about predicting where i need to be with the ball and <laughs> yeah. like maintaining momentum of where i'm going while also like that like the technique of being able to jump and hit the ball in another direction in Rocket League is just beyond me. Like, there's something that I have not connected yet, no matter how many times I try. And if, so that's that's off the table for me. If basically. I wanted to be really unfair, I would just snippet that one part of this video and I'd just put that into the podcast. I'm yeah, not going to do mean, that, but I, I actually agree it. with like, you. I, I stand by it. I, I don't <laughs> like Rocket League. I think it's the worst game ever made. There you go. Psionics, I'm so sorry. Um, no, it's. Uh, I actually agree with you. I'm, I'm, I actually really like Rocket League, but I'm really bad at it. Like, really bad. I, I've had friends, really good friends, actually, like from elementary school, who are just yelling their head off at me because I'm, I'm making our team <laughs> suck. <laughs> and I don't yeah. even know what to say. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't, you know, I'm kind of bad at it. But, this. yeah, I mean, I think, I think looking at genres that you don't play often mm. is really important and trying to design games in them is really important. Like, 
Lucas Pope, the guy who designed, um, I mean, he's done a bunch of different games, but he did uh, Papers, Please. He did. Oh, wait, yeah. Am I getting Good game. I think he did Paper Please, Please. He also did um, Ridiculous Fishing. He did a whole bunch of different oh. <laughs> like indie games. Uh, yeah. Or wait, no. Now I feel like I'm mixing it up. I have to make sure I'm being honest when I say this. Well, I'll definitely uh, hold you to it. I'm going to be really harsh about it, too, if you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> games by Lucas Pope. He did Papers, Please. He did Return of the Obra Dinn. Oh, that's a good um, one. Return of the Obra yeah. I didn't know it. it was the same. Oh, guy he has a place. game coming to the play date, apparently. Oh, of course um, he Man, I gotta I jump on early. this thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, I don't think he did Ridiculous Fishing. I think that's someone else. Okay. Uh, so I'm thinking of someone else then. It's not <laughs> Lucas Pope, so I'm really far off. Hold on. Uh, but the point the point I was gonna say is he this designer that I am thinking of, um, he famously made a word game that he, the specific reason he did it was because he doesn't like word games and he wanted to make oh, one wow. that he did like. And I think the the point is like you have to be able to look at other genres. Oh, Ridiculous mm-hmm. Fishing was Vlam Beer. So it's not them either. Fuck. I don't remember at all. I'm like I, the game is called Spell Tower. I don't know who designed Spell it. Spell Tower. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah. But th- he uh, now I'm like, I'm a little obsessive sometimes. I'm going to figure this out while we're talking. <laughs> that is totally but, fine by me. I can relate. <clears throat> Spell Wait, tower. Zach Gage. Zach Gage. That's right. the guy. I'm yep. so sorry to all the indie video game designers that I named <laughs> before I got to the right oh, one. Oh, no. You, you, um, <laughs> you couldn't remember but, the name. Oh, no. Zach Gage made this game Spell Tower, which he designed specifically because he normally does not like word-based puzzle games. And he designed another one called Sage Solitaire because he doesn't Mm. like Solitaire. Wow. Um, So I think it's a really good idea to look at things you don't like and try to understand what makes them appealing and what would be an appealing version for you. True. Um, And there's, like, a limit to that, I think, because, like... If I tried to design a JRPG right now, like, I wouldn't be able to do it because I don't even know enough about the genre to really know what works and what doesn't. And I'd probably end yeah. up with some really weird, off kilter JRPG that doesn't make any sense. Wait, a weird JRPG? So you have... <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so you have to have some knowledge of the genre, I think. But it's good to come at it from a perspective that a fan wouldn't come at it from because you're going to see things that they don't see. And you're going to think of things that they wouldn't think of because they'll be too tied to the conventions of the genre. And they'll think, Oh, it has to be turn-based battles or it has to be an overworld that you fly around an airship in or something like that. Like they're going to think it has to be a certain way. And you're able to come in and say, no, you can do something totally different and it could still work. It could just be a totally new type of thing. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to put it. I, I can't put it any better than myself. So, yeah, good job. <laughs> I totally agree. Thank Preach. you. <laughs> uh, okay, so we got another question here. Um, this person is saying, I'm finding it hard to start my project. Where slash how do I start developing my game? And this is a question that comes up so much on Reddit. I see this everywhere. How, do, how when do I start my project? Or, or yep. really just how, how do I get it off the ground? And uh, let me just... Uh, yeah, so... Another form of this is I don't know how to code, but I want to make games. 
And they're both kind of like two sides of the same coin. It's it's people that are really mm-hmm. excited about the game development thing, and that is totally fine. We all have that, but they they feel like there's this huge uh, bar for entry or this like this gatekeeping kind of thing, so they can't get in. They can't actually start their game. And I know that feeling because I was there way back when before I even started. Yep. And I thought it was so tough. And the the honest answer, and everyone is gonna say this, and they're I don't know if you're gonna listen or not, but what it is is that it's it's just putting in the work of learning to do the the initial code now there's gonna be things that tell you you can do drag and drop and you can you can do this cool new thing where you don't have to code anymore coding's done you can just drag and drop assets and make your game and you'll make something like undertale but i i have to say from my own experience i don't think that's true i think you can drag and drop to some extent and make certain games but if you really want to have the creative freedom that you're probably hoping to have then i think you need to put in the time and effort to learn at least a language and for me learning game maker i think was simple enough that i if i can do it i think anybody can do it so yeah game maker is definitely really easy to learn i i think i come from a slightly different perspective i think it it can be really good to start with drag and drop or like dreams on ps4 is a really good system to like get started making a game with no experience whatsoever and It's just really cool because they do so many... The way you make music in that game, the way you make 3D models, it's all like... It's like they somehow distilled all these super complex things into incredibly intuitive systems that mm. if you put in like in a, a couple of hours, you can figure it out pretty easily. But I think... I think eventually you will have to... You will hit a wall where the level of complexity you want makes it impossible to use certain systems. Like, even Game Maker, even if you know everything about GML, the Game Maker language, yeah. there is a limit to what Game Maker is capable of doing. No one is making yeah. World of Warcraft in Game Maker. Yeah. But it's always good to start with something that you're comfortable with. And if drag and drop is that thing, start there because there's so many visual programming languages now where you can learn essentially the fundamentals of a programming language without having to actually write code, which is great because that's kind of how you got started. Yes. And then from there, hopefully those skills will like up level and allow you to like, expand into some new tool or something down the road when it's like you hit that limit right. but I, I think you just have to get started like you said like you just have to try and and then if it's your first game I always just say like always assume that the game is like four or five times more complex than you think it is and start with something simpler like figure out what your first idea is and then pare that down to the minimum of what that idea could be, and then pare that down two or three more times, and then you'll have a game that you might be able to achieve initially. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. And yeah, and I, I completely agree with you too, and I think what I'm saying is it's just a matter of perspective. If you, if you think, if you go through the lens of if I stick with drag and drop, I will still make these larger games, I, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. But starting with drag and drop is a great place to start. It's actually exactly where I started too. Back when like Game Maker was like in its infancy at that part, I was like way back in high school, and I was using drag and drop features in Game Maker then. Um, and then coming back to Game Maker later after I had some knowledge of some programming, um, it, it was a whole new arena now, which was awesome. But it does it does require some 
more finesse and all that. But if you start somewhere, just start. Just start anywhere. So you can even just yep. start doing um, design documents. You can even just start with writing documents and, and game assets and all that kind of stuff and start to learn about how things might work together. That's a good place to start, too. Yeah, um, exactly. And the other thing I would say is, like, not everyone has to be a coder. Like, mm. if you are mm-hmm. really good at 3D modeling or really good at music or really good at art, like, you you could probably work on other games um, with other people who need collaborators. Like, everyone is always looking for an artist on indie subreddits, mm-hmm. indie game subreddits. Everyone's always... Music people aren't looking for as often because there are so many people who are like, here's 18 million songs I composed in the last three days. <laughs> yeah. Use them all. Yeah, they're all free. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. I feel yeah. like if I just collected everything that people posted for free on the indie game design subreddits, like, I would have more content than i would ever need yeah but um yeah it like don't assume that you have to be the programmer because there's another guy who might want to program your game for you i'm actually the exact same or way. might have a great idea that he would love your input on because i i personally am more the programmer side of it and I'm, i don't fancy myself an artist at all which is ironic because i went to school for art and ended up becoming a programmer oh. so <laughs> it ended up uh, just kind of flipping its head on me and uh because of that i'm always looking for people to help me with art because i i suck at pixel art i suck at i'm i'm the typical program where i put the pre-made asset into the thing that looks awful because it works and then i'm hoping i'll just overlay yep. that with something else that actually looks good <laughs> exactly that's yeah. that's what we're doing in our game right now and yeah, we're we're getting there. Hopefully, we'll have an artist at some point who can like be committed to the project and and help us achieve our vision. But if not, we'll uh, we'll figure it out. And actually, to your point too, that's actually exactly why it's good to if you're into video games and you want to be able to create video games, but you don't know how to code and you might not be interested in code. Being an artist, you still work with the coders. You still work with them. So there's no problem. Yeah. You can still say, like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if the guy did this when he jumped here and he did that when he jumped there? You can still obviously put that input in. You're just not the person who's going to make that happen with the code. But you might have had the idea, and that's what matters to the coders. Yeah, especially on a smaller project. Um, like, even if you're not the one who implements it, being able to have a second perspective is really, really helpful. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, so those are the questions that I found on there. I've got something for you. I wanted to do a little speed round on questions here with you. So this is okay. going to be my speed round session here. Never done this before. I'm looking for one-word answers from you, okay? So oh, as fast okay. as you can, one-word answer. Are you ready? I hope so. All right, here we go. Question number one. Mac, PC, or Linux? Uh, PC. Question number two. Which is more important to games, story or gameplay? gameplay question number three first person shooter or rpg first person shooter question number four wolf or lion oh wolf question number five did you have fun today yes awesome (laughs) okay well thank you that was awesome it was really nice to have like somebody on the show somebody to talk to bounce ideas off of but that's uh that's all i've got for today's episode so yeah Yeah, well i really enjoyed doing it uh i definitely come back um I awesome. think uh, there's always more to learn. Oh, there definitely is. And it does take a collaborative output, I think, to be able to figure out a lot of these kinds of things. Uh, looking over mm-hmm. code with other people always helps. I've learned so much even just by talking to you today and just the things you said. It's it's either validated things for me uh, as a 
solo programmer who doesn't talk to many people <laughs> or it has mm -hmm. made me question maybe my own practices on things and made me want to work a little bit harder on certain things too so it's already helped yeah. me in general so i really appreciate it yeah i think as indies uh it can be very isolating sometimes especially mm. with covid like i think if it were not covid if covid had never been an issue i probably at some point would have started to try seeking out like indie game development groups in the area that i live in because i kind of live in a college town right now mm. <laughs> um and i would have tried to like meet up with people especially because we did some play testing a couple months ago and we wanted more people who we didn't know um <laughs> but nowadays like it's really really isolating to be an indie developer and if you've never done it before it's really easy to have no contact with anyone and not know whether what you're doing is right but then the other thing is i also think it's important to remember that like there really is no right answer for game development like two games could look exactly the same and be programmed in different languages and implemented in different ways and function completely differently to solve the exact same problem every coder you talk to will have a different solution for the same problem so yeah. don't focus on doing it right focus on doing it that's good that's good i like that yeah Cool. Okay. Well, thank you again so much for coming on to the show. And everybody, if you have yeah. any uh, questions, comments, or concerns or anything like that, you can direct them either to the YouTube video afterwards or wherever you found this uh, or any podcast that you found. Uh, you can send them to my email at mapbrushmedia at protonmail.com. Uh, let me know what you think, if you have any questions for Dave or anything like that. And, yeah, thank you so much for watching today, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.